Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of living life with IBD. This is purely for entertainment purposes. This is not medical, health, or even life advice, so do not take anything we say seriously. Welcome to episode 19 of Pop to the Lou. Apologies, we did end up taking last week off. If you saw on our Instagram account, we were, we've just been so maxed <laughs> and we still do everything ourselves. So we weren't able to get the episode out last week, but we are back again. We have six more episodes of this season. And today our episode is a pre-recording that we did with Darcy. We absolutely loved this episode. So we sat down with Darcy, a holistic nutritionist. She just told us everything we needed to know about how focusing on good nutrition can impact our overall health. So Darcy did a massive career change. She also had ovarian cancer back in the day. So her background is just absolutely incredible. Her Instagram, Your Pathway to Happiness, is such a lovely account to follow. So make sure you do. It's got some lovely recipes, some awesome workouts to follow, and lots of gorgeous pictures of her beautiful baby daughter, Rose. So really hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. It's so good to connect with you guys. And Brittany has spoke wonderful things about you guys. And I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. And I'm like, yeah, ladies, <laughs> <laughs> so for for what I have done to get to where I am, I first started out as a biologist and going to school with the idea that I wanted to make a stand for the environment, that if we weren't going to do it, nobody was going to do it. If I wasn't going to do it, then nobody was going to do it. And so I went to university, very passionate and still very passionate about making making an impact and conserving plants and animals and doing what I could to give back to the environment. So that sent me into a career of biology and working with plants and animals. And that was incredible. It, uh, I will say that it made me very bitter towards humans. And I, I often joked <laughs> that, that I that I just really disliked working with people and I preferred to just be out in the bush working with animals and plants. They were they're better listeners. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I probably shouldn't yeah. say that on the podcast. I do work with people. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so that, uh, you know, that is what I, I did for many years. And then something just, it, it wasn't feeling right. Um, I wasn't working with my kind of people. And um, it, it sort of dawned on me on me one day when we were doing this really extreme hike to get to this very secluded place that we had to do a stream assessment for, basically looking at the stream, seeing how it supported uh, aquatic life. And um, the hike up there was really gnarly. And I was with one of my crew members and he was he was rather unhealthy. And um, we're hiking up and he's just chugging Red Bull, Red Bull after Red Bull, no food. It just dawned on me like a light beam hitting my third eye, opening up my world. Like how, how are we supposed to protect the planet when we don't even know how to take care of ourselves? Like I'm trying so hard and I was running into so many roadblocks with bosses that were so incredibly unhappy, but they lived off of caffeine, um, treated their body like a trash can and just so grumpy. And it's like I was encountering so many, mind you, I, I worked with wonderful people as well. I didn't work with just downers, but so many um, coming across so many people in, you know, the oil and gas industry and having a, a labor intensive job that's in a mainly male dominated environment and coming across just very unhealthy folks. Like what is, what are we missing here? And it's, you know, we're trying to take care of the ground we walk on, but we don't even take care of our own vessel. So how one thing has to lead to the other. So I got over um, not, not liking humans. <laughs> I, I decided to pursue personal training. I I went and did that. And then it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to fully be able to help people. And so I took my holistic nutrition schooling and become a, became a, a registered holistic nutritionist. And it was just bam, bam, bam. You know, you cannot show up for one area of your life without confronting all of these other realms, body, mind, spirit that need your attention. So someone can't just work out five days a week and fix all their stuff. <laughs> Everything that you're putting into your mouth is, is showing up in every part of your life down to how you feel your relationship, your, 
your career, everything you're putting into your mouth is, is impacting how you feel. So connecting that um, nutrition piece and then being able to offer. Uh, so, so what I do as a holistic nutritionist um, is I make personalized meal plans. So these are every single meal laid out for you for the course of a month and teaching people how to fuel their body, how to eat, how to um, take care of themselves. And many of my clients come to me with, you know, brain fog, addicted to caffeine, hitting that 2 p.m. wall where it's like you can have a third cup of coffee or take a nap. You can have my office today. Me? Yeah. (laughs) Lots of bloating and indigestion. And um, it made me realize that the majority of people normalize feeling unwell. It becomes so normal, right? Like, oh, I I get bloated. It's, It's just a thing. That's not supposed to be a thing. Normalizing feelings of unwell in your body that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be um, quite a, a well-fueled operating machine when all of our systems are in check. Um, obviously, and you know, it can happen all the time. But one of my favorite comments that I get from clients who've completed a nutrition program with me is, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much I normalized feeling unwell until I started feeling good. And it's like, oh, <laughs> not supposed to feel all of that other stuff. So that is what uh, led me here. But I will also say at 21, I had ovarian cancer. I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Just drop that bomb. Like, here you go. (laughs) Add that into my story. And that really made me focus on further taking care of myself because again, everything that you put into your body is, um, is affecting how you feel. And this journey with cancer and almost losing my life gave me the perspective of, um, how short our time here is and how so many people live in fear of, of death for one. Um, for me, that's my, my biggest motivation is I will die one day. So do I want to come to the very end of my life and have not taken care of myself, have normalized feeling unwell, have, you know, not chased my dreams, teaching myself to be more present in the moment, but, um, anything that you can achieve is is fully within your hands. if, If you have the perspective of you are only going to be here once. That's it. Unless we get reincarnated and come back as a flower or something like that, right? But <laughs> so true. I was wondering the other day, Darcy, what I was like in my previous life because everything was going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, seriously, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like a serial killer because this is the only thing I've got right now. I'm actually reading this really incredible book. Hopefully it's okay to get sidetracked like this. It's called Many Lives, Many Masters. And it's, it's a true story. It's a psychologist in the States. And he talks about his experience with a patient who comes in who has all these and really intense anxieties and fears and to the point where she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's being choked to death or she's really deathly afraid of water but has never in her lifetime encountered an issue with with water and any sort of trauma and through hypnosis he discovers that this woman has lived hundreds of lives and she can go back to the exact date she's either a a woman or a man she's traveling through the spirit world basically coming back in all these different lives she's lived through the spanish flu through ancient egyptian times and she can recounter how she left each life and that is um, a trauma that she had in her current life and so she's uncovering all of these past lives and it kind of builds on the premises that the spirit is forever and can come back into into a body into a vessel which really hits home that you know this is just a vessel like you know appearance wise when people are really caught up in how they view themselves and how everybody's always staring at them but what's inside is that spirit and you can't break that but anyway um if you guys are looking for a good book many lives we always are sam we've written it down (laughs) already written it down (laughs) do you think the thing with nutrition though so i adore nutrition as well for me i believe my nutrition has enabled me to manage my symptoms throughout my life i was diagnosed quite young with my crohn's disease and i say this to people all the time i think that there's still not if i think of school And if I even think of like university and even when I think of being diagnosed with a bowel disease at 12, 13, I didn't get any nutritional education at all. So you get education in so many other aspects and you have so much pressure to achieve X, Y and Z at school and university. And if I think about it, so much stuff that we don't get taught is so important in our lives, you know, and nutrition is one of them. I just don't think there's, there's a lot. 
that you're taught that's really important in relation to that kind of natural, you know, goodness for your body that doesn't incorporate other things, which is, which is to me a really basic life skill. And, you know, if we, I th- it's, it's so crazy. Cause I mean, nutrition has been around like since the day of time, obviously what we put into our body matters, but why wasn't it stressed when we were in school? But you know, what was stressed was here, take this birth control pill. We were the guinea pig to a massive pharmaceutical industry. Even growing up, my parents, you know, we didn't get very many treats, but we still didn't eat fantastic. My parents did fantastic and we we did well, but there just wasn't that emphasis on nutrition. And I remember I had such bad acne when I was um, in high school and never ever throughout my entire high school was it connected with what I was putting in my body. Obviously eating craft dinner every day and not drinking any water and whatever other garbage I ate and putting a pound of makeup on my face wasn't helping. But um, nobody, nobody told me that it was what I was putting into my body and how, how I was treating myself for sure. But it's so strange that 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 piece is just not there. Maybe it is now. Maybe other schools were different. Um, but for sure, I, I agree. Where where was this emphasis on the importance of what we put in our body? I know there was, you know, um, a move to remove the pop from the pop machines and I don't know, replace it with juice or water. But what was the why? It's like, yeah. oh, pop is bad because it's high in sugar. But why is that bad? Tell me why so that I can remove it from other places or educate my parents on why it's yeah. bad kind of thing. It just, it, that wasn't, that wasn't there for, for us in our school. I don't know. No, and yeah. It, yeah, it definitely wasn't for us. And I think if we, the people that we've spoken to, Sarah, who have been diagnosed in recent years, even with, you know, a variety of health conditions, I still don't think that they've been, which I again find insane. They haven't been offered a nutritionist or a dietitian or any, or even a coach, you know, cause I'm a big believer in coaches. I love coaches and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different perspective, isn't it? On, you know, establishing what's going on in your life and what might be impacting you in a negative way and looking at solutions to those barriers, things like that. And again, I don't think those things are offered to you or even thought of when you're dealing with a clinician, if I'm honest. Absolutely. And the naturopath, the nutritionist says, but wait a minute, where is that starting from? Where are these symptoms coming from? Where, what, what is the root of this, which is what someone in holistic health is going to help look at. I still have uh, many people in my life and many clients coming to me that um, go to the doctor for symptoms of IBS, if they have a ton of sensitivities in their diet and they're given pills, sometimes even antidepressants, but again, everything you're putting in your body. And I get clients that I'll I'll send them for blood work to get uh, an allergy panel done and they're allergic to 50 different things um, that they've just been eating. And because they had no idea, and it's it's not their fault that they had no idea, but a doctor often won't recommend that you go see a naturopath. And I think the tables are turning and more people are becoming open to what naturopaths and nutritionists do, but it's still, it's slowly coming around. Yeah. And I think you, you've got to have the kind of confidence, haven't you? To like, you know, Sarah, you've discussed it before when you've, when you've gone the kind of Eastern medicine route, haven't you? But you've had a real, you know, when you've discussed this with, you know, your clinicians back in the UK, they have not been... They were not happy about it. But at the same time, I think it's a different category. So there's understanding what kind of foods don't irritate your stomach. And there's what kind of foods are for us specifically with IBD, what foods are low in fiber, but still offer a lot of nutrition. I went down the path of getting Eastern medicine, which I mean, pros and cons. And I've said before, definitely make sure you're going to somebody that is reputable and has a great education and so on. Don't just go anywhere. But yeah, my doctors were completely against it. He told me it was going to kill me. There was only actually, it was a doctor that was subbing in because my gastro doctor is out or busy or whatever. And on one day I ended up getting a different doctor for the appointment and she asked me the whole background to go through everything. And then I told her that I was taking the Chinese medicine and she was the only doctor I ever encountered that questioned like more about it and wanted to learn about it. And it happened that her daughter had IBD. So she understood the desperation that I felt to an extent to find something that actually worked and then finding something that worked. Why I would want to go down that path and take that risk? Because yeah, my liver was already taking on all these other biologicals and all this other medication. So adding something to the mix definitely put me at risk. And I wasn't saying that it's the safest drug, like every drug has side effects, but it was the only doctor because she understood 
understood the situation that was willing to discuss it. And I actually gave her the name, obviously never saw her again and have no idea if she ended up going to the doctor. But I think until you're in that situation, you don't fully understand how far you will go to find something that will give you your life back. And I think... I mean, if I look back in terms of how we grew up, at least I can speak for Canada. So my grandparents grew up at like the end of the depression and food was scarce and getting an orange for Christmas was exciting. And then during my parents' generation, that's when all of the the fast foods, the unhealthy foods kind of came out, the microwavable meals, more parents were working, like both parents. And so then, yeah, we were kind of that generation that was introduced to craft dinner and quick meals, microwavable meals, et cetera. But I had to completely learn everything myself in terms of what's healthy, what's not healthy, what's protein, what does sugar do to your brain? How does it impact you? And I spent hours on hours of studying just for personal interest, everything behind nutrition. And I did find it quite interesting because then I'd take that to my mom and be like, oh, this is like really unhealthy or this is that. She's like, oh, like had no interest in hearing about it whatsoever. And I think it's just luckily through the generations, we're kind of getting to the point that we're starting to understand what a huge impact food can have on us. Because I don't think before in recent generations, it's really been a thing. Like people haven't actually taken interest into it until now. What do you find is the, is the most kind of common thing that people come to you with? Like the most significant thing that you change really, really quickly? Energy, low energy and brain fog. If I asked every single client and bloating, I would say, but energy, energy is number one, brain fog and um, bloating, bloating being very common in their life. So that's, that's how I appeal to many people. When I ask the question of, do you wake up with energy? Do you have brain fog? Do you hit that 10 PM wall? And it doesn't take long. I, I look at a food diary of what they're eating and I could tell pretty quickly uh, what's what's going on, how this person eats in their food diary, which I get a client to fill out yeah. is, aha, okay, I see where we can make some changes. I find it's quite easy to do, isn't it? I think I've, I've done it before with people we work with, even just three days. You can see just that lack of water, for example, you know, their sleep, their sleep rubbish. They're most likely to be really, really craving those sugary, really bad carby foods, you know, and you can just see it, can't you, within literally 72 hours of someone's kind of nutritional plan and stuff. Yes, I would say caffeine. I see it the most in, well, in the food diary, in food diary, people are waking up and the first liquid that hits hits their lips is coffee. And this is not a hit to coffee. One can have coffee, but to understand that caffeine is borrowed energy from another time in your day. So when you when you hit that 2 p.m. wall and you feel like you need a second, third cup of coffee, um, you're maybe getting a boost, but you're stealing it from later. Sort of, I, I like to give um, the analogy to my clients of um, consider your health a bank. You go into the bank and you get a withdrawal. Get a withdrawal and you're sent on your way. You come back the next day or maybe in an hour, you're t- constantly taking, taking, taking. And the bank's like, we have nothing left to give you. Nothing. You've not put a deposit in, in, in weeks, months, you're running off of borrowed everything. You're drinking coffee for breakfast and lunch. You're, you're not getting near enough protein. Every woman that I encounter is low in omega-3 fatty acids. So brain fog, low cognitive support, feeling unwell in their body, skin, hair, and nails are, um, are suffering mental health. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to tweak a few things. And I would say the first thing that my clients will feel uh, in terms of feeling better in their body is having more energy, digestion, improving, pooping every day. I love talking about poop. That's um, fine. You're on the right podcast here, Darcy. Yeah. <laughs> Getting someone to poop every day and opening up that conversation, which again, something was not talked about enough. What is a healthy poop? Should I be going every day? What should the consistency be like? It's this faux pas thing that we do in the bathroom, but we are humans. We are animals. We have a digestive tract. We, something goes in and something comes out, but why is it not talked about enough about what comes out and what it should be and how we're trying to, we're trying to improve that, Sassy. That's a good point though. Okay. So we talk about the unhealthy side. I'm sure you've heard Cass's stories having IBD. I mean, I've gotten up to like 35 times in the day just with blood and everything from having ulcerative colitis, but Mm -hmm. what is healthy? Like what should people be striving? And not just for the IBD community. I know everybody's completely different and what remission could look like for one isn't the same as another, but let's say perfectly healthy person. What does that actually look like? Smooth like a snake. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to aim for, Darcy. 
Yeah. Move like a snake. And it's, you know, when you have a satisfying poo and it's like, yes, go body, go digestive tract, go colon. (laughs) Like when you have a great poo and you look in the toilet and you're like, whoa, like if I could Snapchat to this, this to a friend, I probably would. So Cass definitely would. Yeah. I I 100% would. Darcy, you're so lucky you don't have my number. I'll be like, go girl. Yeah. Smooth like a snake. Yeah. So smooth like a snake. Um, we've all had poos that are messy and just like, oh, that was not pleasant. Kind of like, you know, some heat and not feeling fantastic when you're pushing it out. The, the three elements that are important for a good BM are bulk, hydration, and lubrication. If your poop is coming out in chunks, pretty good assumption that you are a little bit dehydrated. If it's coming out in all water, we got to look at your lubrication. We got to look at your, your bulk. So hydration, the three components I I chatted about hydration, uh, bulk and lubrication. So your hydration, obviously coming from your H2O, your bulk is coming from your, your fiber and your lubrication is coming from the fats that are in your diet, the good omega six threes, that are in your diet. So those are some things that you want to focus on. So when a, a client has a weekly check-in with me and we have a poop check-in as well, how, how are poops this week? Um, Love it. <laughs> I, uh, I get to ask, answer quite a few questions, not just what the consistency was, but what was going on in their life. Did they spend time chewing their food to a paste before they swallowed? What was stress levels like this week? What was on their mental load? Are they, I, I always say, don't be a poo packer. Don't pack your poos. Um, again, something that should have been taught to us at a young age. Like it's wrong to stink up a bathroom. Like, oh, I don't want to stink up a bathroom. So I'm going to hold this poo until I get home. Well, you, we all have felt what it feels like when we hold a poo, when we have that urge, but we're like, oh, I can't right now. I'm in a public place or I uh, just, I'm heading out the door. I, I don't have time for you right now. <laughs> Our digestive tract, our colon is so sensitive and it's directly wired to our brain. Our digestive system is basically a second brain. Um, If you ignore that urge, not only are you ignoring a very basic um, cue that the body is sending you like, hello, we are ready to eliminate. Please let us open the doors. Um, If you ignore that cue, it can kind of get, well, not not fully reabsorbed back in your body, but um, it comes back with a vengeance later, or it just doesn't come back at all. And then we run into constipation issues. One of the the checking components that I have my clients do is what were what were poos like, and um, when they tell me consistency is like oh it wasn't that great, and then we go through okay you're eating everything on the meal plan, um, but what was what was mental load like? It's like well yeah I was in such a rush eating, eating through my salad, and uh, this happened in my family, and I had this stress and this stress, and I was at Costco and I had to go and I held it in, so it's all of this data. And I always like to talk about data is really, that's what it comes down to. What was the data that caused this to happen? So anyway, long story short question or answer to your, to your question there, smooth, like a snake is what we want. So smooth to pass. If you look at it, it's probably quite long or broken up, but um, it's not in chunks and it's not fully liquid. You've got the title of the episode already. I give her complete freedom on the titles. I just don't want any credit for them. You don't want any (laughs) association. As long as everybody's aware who creates them, that's totally fine. How often is normal? Again, completely healthy person. Yeah. So I would say it is, it is kind of dependent on that person. Um, at least once a day, uh, once a day is what we would strive for. I've got clients that, that go twice a day. When you ask like, what should a person go kind of every day? Everybody is so different, but it's so important to know that's even more of an emphasis to know your body, like know your pooper. We are not a textbook. We are an individual person. And what works for me might not work for, for someone else. I have a pretty good idea of what I could give you to help you kind of thing if I'm talking to a client, but it's so much of an investment in ourselves. And another part of what I offer as um, a holistic health coach is I like to say, I want to bring you back home to your body to coming back home to your body where you feel like a safe space and you know how to answer your cues. Because I think one of the issues that I'm finding with so many people coming to me is they don't trust themselves. They don't feel at home in their body. It doesn't feel like a safe space. They don't trust their vessel. They look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. Like they look at the scale and it's like, Oh, they, they're, they, they don't trust 
themselves. So of course, that's going to mess up every bodily process, right? How you digest food, how you talk to yourself, how you talk to others. And my goal in working with my clients is to get them to understand their body so they don't need me. I don't want you to have to need me once we're done working together. I want you to know how to answer your nutrition cues and not have it be this looming question mark over your head. I want you to be able to know your body so well that when you feel a cue, it's like, I know what to do. I know what my body needs. Not like, I have no idea. I don't know what to do with my health. I, this I'm stumped. I better go to a doctor or, you know, a naturopath or nutritionist, which is fine. But um, to have that, that confidence and that freedom to know that the choices that you're making are serving you well. And that's a huge component coming back home to your body. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because I know some people really worry about kind of the expense of really healthy and wholesome foods and buying organic and things like that. And I think it's the kind of knowledge as well, Darcy. I think sometimes when I've spoken to my friends before, they genuinely don't know where to start. And they think that incorporating a really healthy and wholesome nutrition plan into their kind of week is going to take over. It's going to be too much to prepare, too much to change. And I think sometimes there's, that's, that's, there's the assumption that there's going to be barriers. And I think that we know when you, you don't necessarily have to buy really expensive things, you know, you can buy um, really healthy and wholesome foods quite modestly if you know what you're looking for if you, I know I was going to ask you about kind of preparation and planning because I always find it really interesting to know how people prep and plan their weeks because I do and I, I find it really helps me personally oh yes yeah a couple of things to unpack in that I would say if someone is because I think that's the qualm that everybody has where do I start I, I'm unhappy but where the heck do I start try having a glass of water before your morning coffee start there. In the past, I used to combine fitness and nutrition programs. So this person would come to me, write them an entire meal plan for a month, an entire fitness plan for a month. Here you go, um, be successful. And they'd half ass all of it because I'm giving them too much. I'm giving them too much to show up for. So they're showing up as best as they can, but they're half-assing it all. So I took a step back, like, what can I do to, how can I help people be more successful. You know what? We're just going to cut fitness out of the equation. And that's not to say I'm not going to encourage you to do it, but for right now, I want to focus on what you're eating. I want to focus you to focus on, on the meal prep component. Cause we'll get into that, but it's huge. Fail the plan, plan to fail. And then I'm going to give you a step count that I recommend you hit every day. And then when you feel up to it, incorporate fitness. Cause so many people that are coming to me that have low energy and feel like garbage, they don't want to work out yet it's coming. But right now, like, just tell me what to do, what I have to eat. And then naturally, um, it's like two weeks. It's always like clockwork. It's either two weeks or a month in. They're like, I think I'm ready for fitness. Good. That is your intuition saying, hello, let's, uh, let's move our body and build some muscle. Like, okay, great. But uh, you try to give and that's like the whole New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to go to the gym five days a week, and I'm going to only eat salads. I'm going to lose all this fat. Maybe I'll go on a keto diet. Oh my gosh, don't get me started. It's giving yourself too much. So where does a person start and the expense with it all? You don't need to buy organic everything. You don't. And I would say that eating wholesome foods, it's cheaper. Like, yeah, maybe it's only a couple of dollars to go and well, not anymore. It's not a couple of dollars to go and get a burger and fries kind of thing. But with the amount of times a regular person is eating out, they're spending more money. And so the program that I offer, it's an investment, but I've done, uh, I've done the math and my clients have done the math and they end up saving money because they're going grocery shopping for, you know, the three or four, five days in advance, they have all their meals laid out. They know what they're eating. Um, so their groceries, A, get used and don't get moldy in the back of their fridge. Like it happens sometimes, right? Um, and they're not eating out. They're not having a $5 coffee every day and they're not eating a, a $15 lunch out every day. They're spending quite a bit at the grocery store initially, but it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner and their snacks in between. So they're actually saving money. You, you don't need to buy everything organic by, by any means. You, if you don't want to, you don't want to buy anything organic. And that's a separate conversation. But if you, you want to, to be saving money, cook at home, cook at home. Even if that burger is three bucks, like you're it's only one meal. Whereas if you spend, you know, $3 on, on something at the store, you're probably going to get more than one meal out of it. And you can make nice burgers at home. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's the thing, right? So quite a lot of yeah. my friends say, Oh, I'm going to miss X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, but everything you really enjoy to eat, you can still make. Cause mm -hmm. I love like gluten-free fish and chips and curries and, you know, Thai food, Vietnamese food, like all of that sort of really, really good stuff, but you can make it all yourself. Can't you? 
because these mm-hmm. these kind of fees can be really expensive. Totally. And I think it's a daunting experience for many people. They're like, oh my gosh, making burgers at home. Like, no, too much. I don't even, how to, where do I start? What do, yeah. what do I do? But it's once so you, you know, a lot of people don't trust themselves in the kitchen or it's this daunting place that they don't like spending time in. That's another um, thought that I get from clients is like, how many hours will I be meal prepping? How much time do I have to spend in the kitchen? It's like, look, the kitchen, just because you've had a past experience in there where you didn't enjoy spending your time in there, don't work that into your story. That's not your story. It's the same thing when people tell me that they don't like a hundred different food items. Like, okay, well, when was the last time you tried red pepper? Oh, when I was six years old and like my mom made me eat. Okay, well, you probably changed, right? Let's stay open-minded. So I always tell people the best thing that you can do is stay open because when we close, we are short with people. We aren't listeners. We we treat other people unwell. We treat ourselves unwell and we will never try a new thing because fear likes to keep us in the stuck zone, right? To be open-minded is to literally open your heart. When we're closed, like lots of the time when I, when I have a client that is closed to their story, I don't like this, this, and this. I fail when I do this. I start something for two weeks, then I fail. Their posture is like this. Caved around their heart, they're closed. They're closed to life coming in. So the best thing you can do, shoulders back and stay open-minded, right? So, you know, I don't like cooking in the kitchen. Put on some Tom Petty, some Fleetwood Mac or whatever is your jam and um, enjoy the process of cooking. It's like working out because you have to. Well, you're probably going to grow muscle very slowly and you're not going to get the most out of it, right? Because you hate it. So, so much of fitness is like find a form of fitness that you enjoy and that looks different for you and it looks different for me. You have to enjoy it. But it is so true, especially with fitness, isn't it? But I think people as well, maybe if they're not used to working out or activity fitness whatever it might be they assume again that the only way you're gonna get some good like a good shape on you is to go to the gym every day and we know it's not it's not about that whatsoever I really liked your workout videos that you did with your baby they were wicked I don't know if anyone's like so the guys that are listening to this podcast so Darcy's done some really cool videos with her baby which uh, you basically use your baby as a weight don't you yeah you can do a lot of things and um, <laughs> the term like mom arms it's a real thing. My arms are more jacked than they've ever been. <laughs> you can push her out. You can do front raises. Yeah. She's loving it as well. Like it's a workout. It's having a having children is a workout. <laughs> How do you incorporate exercise? Because you're super super busy. Obviously, as a new mom and running your own business, etc. Uh, I'm a morning workout person. I always have been. If you want me to be in a poopy mood and be really down, is to make me work out in the evening because I hate it. And a couple of reasons. I love, I'm a morning person. I always have been an early riser. Um, I, I love the feeling of being up at the start of the day when the world feels quiet and asleep. So incorporating fitness into my day at the start of my day has always made sense. And in my personal opinion, I feel like you get more out of it because you're getting that serotonin and dopamine hit first thing in the day, and then you're applying it to your whole day. So you're setting that day up for so much success, but it's not necessarily that you have to go and have a workout. You can go for a nice walk and you're still getting fantastic benefits of those natural hormone raises and chemical creations in our body that are going to put you to work and have you be more productive throughout the day. So I'm a morning workout person, learning to meal prep and prioritize taking care of yourself. I always like to say chaos craves structure. It just needs structure. So to give somebody say a meal plan that has every single day laid out for you 30 days, there's no second guessing of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? When it's a structured plan for in front of you and you're like, oh, my snack, it's right there. I'm having a fudgy banana muffin. Um, I made a batch. When you have that structure, it competes with chaos and it makes the chaos manageable. It's just like anything in your life, right? Like you guys are, are busy entrepreneurs. When you go a day without your agenda or, you know, the computer crashes and you don't see what you're doing, it's like, oh my God, like, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be doing something. I have Good no chest idea. pains as you're saying that, Darcy. <laughs> I know you're like without a computer. I'm like, oh my God, I would die. <laughs> or if like something happens and your technology goes down, it's like, holy shit, what, what's happening? I have no idea. Like I'm a chicken with my head cut off structure. I have to plan my food. I don't, I don't know what you guys have in Canada, but in England we have like gusto boxes. So they, mm-hmm. so you can choose your meals for the week and then they send mm-hmm. you all the ingredients and then you have these cards or you have like an app that you follow and they take anywhere between 10 minutes and like an hour to cook but I literally have all of them and they're awesome recipes really easy to follow as well and mm-hmm. everything your whole week
week last year's plans. So for me, they're absolutely perfect. And I eat quite a lot. I mean, they're portions for two. I live on my own. You know, they happily get eaten every night. Like they're, <laughs> they are not for two people. I'm the opposite. So Cass and I are very different. I hate hate routine. I like to be organized, but I do not like to feel like my day is planned out for me and that I have to do this at this time. And I have to, I am not that type of person at all, but I do like to have like food at home that I can cook. And I, I mean, I hardly ever eat out for the most part, but I think it's because my body changes so much from day to day. Like one day I can have a salad the next day. That is not going to happen because I'm going to be suffering from the fact that I ate a salad and now it's going to be rice and maybe an egg and a protein shake. And then the next day I might be like, oh, I feel like zucchini. Like I'm very intuitive in terms of listening to my body in terms of what I can digest. Because if I planned out the whole week and said, okay, I'm eating nothing but rice, like maybe I can stomach a salad. Or if I said, okay, nothing but vegetables, I'm going to be suffering within like a day or two. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately my body doesn't allow for me to be overly structured and I just hate routine. But I think it'd be really useful if if you have any ideas of food that you can eat on a really sensitive stomach, things that are easier to digest that have a little bit of fiber, but not too much. So that on those days where you're like, I really can't digest a lot of vegetables. I can't take a lot of heavy food, but I want to get some kind of nutrition because we preach about white rice and white potatoes, um, but they do have limited nutrition. Mm -hmm. Are there any sorts of quick and easy meals or certain vegetables that we can go to that are going to be okay for people that have IBD and can't digest a lot of fiber and things like that, that are still healthy? Um, I love what you said there. Of You're very intuitive and you know that you're not a routine person. That's great for, I mean, well, it's, if that is who you are, that is who you are. But to know that that's who you are is is so big. And you being, in, I think the key to all of that is you being intuitive because you have someone with say the background that you have that doesn't like routine and they don't like having, oh, you're going to eat this, this, and this every day. I don't like that. But to not be listening to their body, they're constantly going to be feeling unwell. So at least if you, you know, you have that salad, if you feel really low the next day, you know, it's not going to be a salad. So you're going to have this instead. So it's so good that you are listening to those cues and you know your body well enough that you can answer that with something that's wholesome and satisfying. So as far as uh, your question of easy to digest foods, make things very basic. And yes, basic maybe can be seen as something boring, but it doesn't have to be. Instead of, you know, a, a plain white rice, and I love I love plain white rice, I love basmati rice, I love jasmine rice, um, it's easy to digest. How about something like quinoa? Then we're getting uh, a complete amino acid. So we're getting something that's a little bit more wholesome, even actually easier to digest. And it's going to serve us a a little bit more in terms of its nutrient profile, knowing uh, having a side of protein with that. Now that that's individual to to someone, whether they're plant-based or they eat animal products. So maybe that's Maybe that's chicken breast for one, maybe that's some, you know, lightly pan-seared tofu or tempeh for another person. Incorporating a protein, a carbohydrate, and a fat in it. So if you had half an avocado with that, um, maybe you sprinkled it with some sea salt, some smoked paprika. That's how I like to do it. I love it. Um, then you're getting then you're getting easy to digest. <laughs> So you're getting, then you're getting that nice, that nice lubrication from the fats. You're getting an easier to digest fiber. Now, something that I really like for versatility is to have a dressing on hand that I've made. I can preach cashew sour cream for the rest of time because it is a condiment to add to everything to suddenly make something that's boring be full of flavor. So you have your quinoa, you have your chicken breast, tempeh, tofu, and you have your avocado. Add a dollop of cashew sour cream. And this recipe is all over my Instagram page because I I just, I love it so much. And for the person that cannot have cashews, it still can be done. There are other nuts that we can use. Um, Having a dollop of that on there, you've suddenly taken like, I have to eat this basic boring meal because I'm not feeling very well. And you've added so much creamy deliciousness to it. So I like to have cashew sour cream on hand for everything. I'll use it as sour cream, put a dollop on a salad. If I'm making, uh, say, a baked potato, I'll have some of it on there. I use it as a spread like you would hummus. Um, you can dip things into it, make it bulk at the start of the week. It's you know one cup of cashews soaked 
and you blend it with a, all of the other ingredients in there. Again, it's on my on my page. Um, and then having that on hand to dollop on your boring meal to suddenly make yeah. it be not boring. I mean, that's usually what I end up eating is like some kind of protein, white rice, and I try to throw like avocado, but just the idea of being able to mix and play with those. So always making sure that you have some kind of protein that you can digest, having some kind of, I don't want to say grain, but like some kind of starch or carb to keep your energy levels up and then having some kind of fat and making sure it's more of a complete meal. I think that's Mm -hmm. a great methodology to work off of. Absolutely. And I will say too, something that's a recipe of mine that all my I put in my client meal plans, but it's called brain food. And so it's a fantastic blend of omega-3 and 6 fatty acids. And what it is, is equal parts sesame seeds, pepita seeds, which are pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, and sunflower seeds. And you put all those together. I like to do this in a coffee grinder and I just dedicate one of my coffee grinders to uh, my brain food. Blend it all up until it's a nice powder and then put that in a mason jar, store it in the fridge, have a tablespoon of that on your bowl and your meal. Like I have this on oatmeal, I have this on salad. It would go great with this uh, with this quinoa chicken avocado dish. And then you're just getting more in. A great, thing, great. A great thing to add and to make it be not not a boring thing. You're making, you're suddenly taking very basic foods and, and adding a lot of flavor. And then there's two, like we, uh, I forgot to add, when you're making your quinoa and your rice, put in some, some chicken stock, or maybe you take the time to make your own, uh, make your own bone broth. You can buy frozen stuff, adding flavor to foods that we're used to eating very like blandly, but adding flavor to it, using spice, expand your spice cupboard. You can make something very boring and, and plain taste absolutely flavor packed when you just play with a few spices, smoked paprika, paprika, cumin, sea salt, pepper, these things, these are good good spices for our digestive system as well. When we can't eat too many veggies because we're finding it hard to digest. Um, I'll tell you what I've done recently, Sarah, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm doing it with like quite a lot of like my main meals at night. If I can't have too many veggies, I'm just like using coriander or parsley or basil and things like that. And just some, just a little bit of sprinkling of that just completely changes the meal as well. And I just mm-hmm. think it's a little bit easier to digest, but the flavors that that brings any meal is just incredible. You're still getting, you know, if you're cutting up a quarter cup of cilantro or I know cilantro is faux pas for some people but uh you know having having a fresh herb in there that that is still a veggie that is still a digestive aid that is still loaded with uh micronutrients and people really don't realize that about fresh herbs so and bonus they're easy to grow if you did want to have a little pot on your windowsill and then you know go and clip your cilantro or whatever it is but don't be afraid to uh to have your nutrients many of your nutrients coming from adding fresh herbs. And if you want to dry them yourself, you can do that. You just throw them in a paper bag and kind of essentially dehydrate them. Playing with fresh herbs, that's fantastic. So much talk about food. I haven't ate anything yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, I have been feeling guilty the whole time. I'm like sitting here drinking my second. Yeah, when Darcy was talking about coffee, I was like, Sarah, are you taking note? Nope. I didn't listen to any of that. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. <laughs> Your own personal coaching session, Sarah. <laughs> I didn't tell you. <laughs> and it's an intervention. <laughs> I paid for it as a late birthday present. Darcy, is it with regards to obviously our amazing community, um, our IBD community? I'm really, really conscious that you said quite a lot of your clients, I know they're not um, IBD specific at all, but a lot of your clients that come to you don't have enough. Was it protein and omega threes and sixes, did you say? Protein and fatty acids. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine for people with IBD, we obviously lack so many nutrients because we're either not absorbing them because of our digestive tracts not working as they should do or we have that kind of fear of eating certain food groups because it makes us quite unwell is there anything that you would kind of advise from from kind of your specialism that kind of people with IBD can kind of have a positive outlook in relation to what they're eating ongoing. When we feel crummy and you, everybody knows this, you guys know this food is really kind of like, we don't want anything. We just want something basic that will make you like be easy to digest. But what I find with many of my clients that have digestive issues is they are forgetting about protein and it's, you know, a little bit more time consuming to make, and they've had a bad experience where it made their symptoms be worse, but that is not a reason to forget about it. And it only makes your symptoms worse. So a client, for example, you know, she came to me and she has IBD and get her to write a food diary. She was eating sometimes 10 grams of protein a day when really should she be have She should be having about 130 grams in a day given her age, weight, height, activity level kind of thing. So, and, you know, 
kind of doing some digging into how she was feeling. She felt low. She felt crummy. Food didn't make her feel good. Um, and she was just constantly low in energy, very sore. Her recovery was very slow from workouts. So it's easy when you feel unwell to forget about protein and to forget about omega-3 fatty acids and all the other things. But people forget how important protein is. And you don't have to eat animals. Um, I've got tons of, of vegan clients that I work with, but you have to consider protein ideally at every meal or at least, you know, three of your five meals. If you're having that many three meals, two snacks kind of thing. Uh, don't forget the importance of protein because it's only going to make what you're feeling that much worse because you're going to be low energy. Uh, it's going to take you so much longer to recover. Uh, if you're feeling sick on top of it, it's going to prolong that and not help you feel much better. So um, don't forget about protein. Don't forget about protein. And so if there is forms of protein that you ate and and it just made it worse, choose something else or look at the way that you've cooked it. A lot of people don't realize oil when cooked at high heat, ideally no oil should be cooked at high heat. And having oils that are really fake and processed and hydrogenated like canola oil, any vegetable oil, this is going to make the quality of food that's like a top, top notch quality food go down 10 notches because it, um, it's likely overcooked and it's going to take on whatever it's cooking in that pan. So if you've had, say, a chicken breast and that doesn't make you feel good, how did you cook it? What did you cook it with? My favorite oils to use, extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, but none of those oils are being used on high heat. I maybe at the most cook on medium high if I'm getting something to uh, a nice simmer and then I'm bringing the heat down. But And then that further goes to show that um, we need to slow down. <laughs> We need to slow down in everything that you're doing. Don't expect to eat, make your food quickly and eat it quickly. Cause as you know, that's only going to make you feel worse. And if you've had a, an experience where it made you feel unwell eating, say X type of protein, look at the way it's cooked, try baking it, try cooking it in a pan that uh, with some extra virgin olive oil, some organic butter, some ghee. And here I go with organic foods saying you don't need to use them. Um, whenever I'm using a fat, a fat that I cook with, butter. Um, fat of an animal is where most of the toxins are stored in the body. So I like to always choose an organic butter, at least if I'm going to buy a few organic products, um, I'm going to be looking at uh, an organic butter. If I'm choosing to buy butter, try cooking it differently. If it's still a no-go, switch to something else. It's a really good point. I haven't thought of that before. Do you think as well, sometimes when, you know, you said that your clients come to you and they've kind of got brain fog and they're kind of low on energy and stuff. And if I think about probably myself and Sarah when we're absolutely shattered or not feeling too good. I'm just thinking about what I'm like sometimes if I'm really tired. You tend to go for things that are very um, kind of stodgy, don't you? You wouldn't necessarily think of lean proteins. And if you're quite, if you're feeling quite fatigued or you're feeling quite sick, and again, it's a catch-22, isn't it? You tend to go for those foods that will instantly make you feel ooh, all warm and fuzzy and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know whether that's a thing sometimes, maybe when we are feeling quite sick that we tend to forget about the proteins and like the good fats for example because we do we go for those kind of carbs to give us that instant energy that we feel like we haven't got and I know that's not the right thing to do but I'm just thinking logically maybe where we go sometimes and the reason why we do that well and again it's it's a vicious cycle right because when we when we make a food choice when we're feeling low it's different when you know our low days are very few and far between it's like oh I'm having a low day and it's just going to be a chicken noodle soup kind of day. We've all had those days, but you know that for the most part, you're not eating chicken noodle soup. You're eating, you know, more variety of foods. But when those are, those become your normal, then it's certainly worth investing more into looking into that. But I would say many people, I don't have to say my clients, um, a, a good sign that uh, someone is low in protein is if they, if they have binge eating qualities, this ties heavily into trauma and experiencing, you know, healing your trauma, but um, sugar craving. Um, craving those simple carbohydrate quick fixes and get into my bloodstream so that I can get a high off of this and have some life in me. Guarantee that person is not prioritizing protein enough. Protein is our most important macronutrient in that it keeps us satiated for longer, meaning it keeps you fuller for longer. A lot of the times when someone is craving, like I am addicted to sugar. I am a sugar fiend. I've had so many people tell me that. Like, That's just a brain response. That's not you as a person. You're likely low in protein um, because they're not full enough. So they have the rice, they have the avocado, they have whatever else, but they've forgot a significant source of protein. You're going to burn through that relatively quickly, especially if you have an active lifestyle, because you haven't had that protein source that's going to keep you full 
for longer. It keeps you full for longer than a fat or a carbohydrate. So um, you're going to find like that, that's your brain cueing you to like, get something, give me something, give me something that I could put in my mouth and chew quickly, probably going to be a simple carbohydrate, right? Because it's just easiest and it's always there in front of us. It's fine if that's, you know, a, a one-off, but if that is your, is your habits many times throughout the day, every day, guarantee you're not having enough protein in your diet because you wouldn't be getting that response and feeling the need for that. But like you said, it's, it's just a vicious cycle then, isn't it? Cycle. Yeah. For sure. I feel like we've gotten so much information today that's going to really help a lot of people, especially you're the first person that's actually gotten into so much detail about poo. So excited to get that out. <laughs> I mean, other than Cass, but you, I feel like you're... Your analysis was a bit more of a scientific perspective. My mum will appreciate Darcy's analysis, unlike oh, mine man. that she gets very upset about. Something that needs to be talked about more. And I know I, I make people uncomfy, even just, you know, my clients in, uh, in getting them to talk about it more. But, but once it flows, literally and figuratively, once it flows, um, you realize how natural it is and you can talk about it more. And when people are weirded out about it, it's like, oh, you got to work on that, girl. Like you yeah, work on that. It shouldn't be weird. And it does, yeah. it really impacts you when you haven't pooed. It, it makes you feel really lousy. Yeah, totally. It's, you know, I may have gotten my my love for talking about poo from my dad because at a very young age, when we when we were feeling unwell, he'd say, did you go poo today? And so maybe that ingrained in my Amazing. mind, like he connected that, <laughs> that you need to go poo in order to feel good. It's like, love him. He's like, I told you. (laughs) I can give him the the starter credit for that. (laughs) I like it. It's true. But I welcome welcome you as a listener to um, invest in your poos. And especially, you know, when you talk to someone about them and it's like, okay, well, what's going on in the bathroom? They're like, what do you mean? I I go to the bathroom. Well, what's your consistency of, of your poo? Like, I don't know. Like, know that. You have to know that. Is it is a huge part of the equation of to what's going on in your body is what's what's your poo like? Are there undigested foods in there? Are there chunks? Like, oh, I don't know. Well, look, it came Get out of you. <laughs> look before you flush. <laughs> That's a good headliner. Look before you flush. <laughs> I love it. If there was anything that you could say to our amazing uh, listeners today, if they could do one thing by tomorrow morning, one change, what would it be? Have water. Hit your lips first thing. Ideally, wait 20 minutes or so before you move on to what you're going to put in next. Have water be the first liquid that goes into your mouth. Not my Yorkshire tea. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second thing, and and you ladies know this, don't, don't normalize feeling unwell in your body. And even if it does become something that you have to live with and be proactive at um, making a conscious effort every day in, invest in your health. You're here once. Uh, Don't go throughout the rest of your life to the last of your days feeling unwell in your body. It's not worth it. So true. See, I know that we could speak to you for three hours like we did with Britt, but (laughs) my amazing, very close friend and co-host who does all the editing. (laughs) Where can our amazing listeners find you? So my my Instagram page, and if you can include this in the notes, that would be great. It is your pathway to happiness. There's some underscores in there. So put that in the notes for, for listeners so that they don't have to remember that right off the top of their head. But it's an easy thing to remember. Your pathway to happiness. That sounds nice. I want to follow a pathway to happiness and you can see me on my Instagram page. Thank you so much, Darcy. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, ladies. Thanks for creating space for me and, and chit-chatting. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot of exciting interviews coming up. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Instagram at Pop to the Lou Podcast for a bit more content on a daily basis and some behind the scenes images yeah everything will be linked in the description so you can find everything there love you guys love you